You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM with Mankiran Audula, and we're talking about a poll that revealed some Canadians are in favour of private health care options and what it's going to take to save our public health care system. We are now speaking to Dr. Saad Ahmed, one of the board members of Canadians Doctors for Medicare and a physician in Vancouver. Dr. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Now, as some provinces turn to the private sector to address pressures in the healthcare system, a new poll suggests that more Canadians than ever are open to the idea of private delivery of healthcare. What do you think of this? Yeah, you know, I think, Munkaran, it's, it's really a reflection of people's frustration with the system. And so that poll that CTV had done, when you, when you look at the details, I think even some of the questions uh, and the way they phrased the questions, I think... People just don't know what private healthcare necessarily means, and I think it's really important upfront um, to to clarify what that is because we already have to some degree private delivery of healthcare in Canada. Many of the family doctors' offices are owned by family doctors. That's you know that's how they kind of pay themselves a salary from the services that they offer to the community, and they're uh, compensated by the public healthcare system for that. But what we're really debating as, as a country now, especially with what's happening in Ontario, is for-profit health care and for-profit health care surgical centers and, and the like. So I, I would say that I think if, if people really understood the exact details, you'd probably see the polls swing quite, uh, quite significantly away from supporting it. And I'm glad you addressed that. So let's talk about that. You know, what happens if we move to a private health care system? You know, what are some things that we're not going to be aware about if we were to go in this direction? Mm-hmm. So what the research and the evidence shows, which as Canadian Doctors for Medicare, we, we follow this pretty meticulously. So what the research shows is that countries that have adopted a private system, often the parallel system, so that's what people hear the word two-tier, that's what that means, is that you still have your public system and then there's an option for people who can pay to get out of that and, and buy health care, um, often from poor, for-profit facilities. And so whenever you introduce that, that actually causes a lot of problems. And in particular, the public system suffers. So people who need to use the public system, people who are low income, who can't, you know, don't have the luxury of paying for private for-profit health care, um, their wait times increase. There's less doctors in the system because they're kind of, you know, the doctors and the nurses go into the um, kind of luxury or profit system where they have higher pay, they have less work. And so, you know, the UK, where we've seen the introduction of for-profit surgical centers, um, Australia, which has had a two-tier system for, for many decades now, it, n- none of these so-called, like, the problems that they said that they were going to solve has never, has never happened. Um, and they've actually ended up causing other problems instead. Now let's talk about our public health care system. I mean, what are some of the challenges that we're facing here? Yeah, it's kind of the perfect storm, especially after COVID. I mean, I think a lot of healthcare workers um, certainly were exposed to the virus, were sick. You know, long COVID is a real thing, and, and people uh, have had a pretty significant disability from it. Um, many healthcare workers passed away. And uh, the other thing is that... Um, there's a record retirement. So we're facing a huge human resources crunch in this country. There's not enough nurses, definitely not enough doctors. I mean, we have some of the lowest per capita number of family doctors um, amongst OECD countries. If you actually look at who's sitting in a clinic every single day, um, and we're not producing enough medical students, we're not producing enough doctors, 
So there's a lot of human resource challenges. And on top of that, then we have red tape and licensing problems. So I'll give you an example, Munker, and I, I moved to British Columbia just a year and a half ago, and I was in Ontario, did all my training, grew up in Ontario, um, and it took me seven months to get a license to work in Vancouver, despite being a Canadian-trained, Canadian-born physician. And that's just, that's just nonsense, right? Like, why do we have these kind of licensing barriers for people within the country? Um and, and it just, I could go on and on about, about some of these issues, but really we're facing a perfect storm. Well, I had no idea. See, like now I would have assumed that you would have been easily to go from Ontario to BC because you're a doctor, you practice here in Canada. So that is quite eye-opening for me. And Dr. Ahmed, to continue on this too, we had a conversation about this and a lot of our listeners are saying too, you know, would part of the solution be getting more foreign trained doctors to help deal with the shortages? I think it's a good short-term solution. Um, obviously, I think, you know, there's, if you can imagine, it took seven months for me to get a license, so who knows what what those uh, what those time uh, constraints are and, and wait lists are like for foreign-trained doctors, but definitely I think that'll help in the short term. Although I think then that, that there's an equity issue there where we might be draining other countries of their, of their foreign, uh, of their sort of domestic-trained doctors. And um, so... You know, we don't necessarily want to deprive them of, of such a valuable resource and people they spent uh, decades training. So I think the long-term solution, obviously, is just training more doctors and more nurses. Mm-hmm. Now, recently, we got news from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau just last week that the federal government is prepared to spend $196.1 billion on health care over the next decade. What do you think of this announcement? I think it's part of the solution. I certainly don't think money will solve everything. I think we've done similar cash injections, if that's a phrase I can use, from 2004 to 2014, where we also gave out tens of billions of dollars, and we're hoping that would buy change, and that was known as the Kirby Accord. And, and most people who have looked back at it said it didn't really change wait lists. It didn't really change family doctor shortages per se. Like, we have to have accountability with money. So I think the government has signaled that they're asking for data um, and more transparency from the provinces. But I do think they also need to demand accountability and value for results. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Ahmed, I want to talk a little bit about the family doctor shortage, particularly mm-hmm. here in BC. I mean, even across Canada, it is a huge issue. I mean, why are we continuing to see the shortage? I know for here in BC, nearly a million British Columbians do not have a family doctor. What are the issues going on there? Yeah, I, so I think BC... In, in many senses, uh, exemplifies what's happening across the country. So BC pays many family doctors on a fee-for-service basis. So when you hear that word, that really means that I'm paid as a doctor for each patient's visit. And so that often means that you're incentivized to then see as many patients as possible, to try to keep the lights on and pay your staff and pay for your IT. And so that, I mean, you know, you, you Family doctors have been paid the same kind of flat fee um, for the standard visit that they have with the patients, and it hasn't really gone up, although inflation has gone up. And so increasingly the take-home pay after you've paid for everything, as with any business, has gone down, and it's made family medicine less attractive. So what you're seeing are a lot of family doctors in B.C., uh, myself included, actually. I, you know, we work at in the hospital. We work at various hospitals assisting specialists and um, taking on other roles other than just pure primary care in the community. Um, and then on top of that, add the fact once again that 
um, nationally, we're just not training enough doc- family doctors to meet the demand. Like they're estimating that anywhere from six to ten million Canadians won't have a family doctor within six years, and we're we're just not sort of meeting the demand. And Dr. Ahmed, you know, what can people do to support our public health care system, especially if they want to advocate for it? Is there anything people on the ground can do? Yeah, I, I definitely would. Um, the easiest thing to do is contact your MPP and your MP. You know, you're the constituent. They have to hear from you. And even leaving a phone call or sending an email with your concerns and, and asking for what their solution is, doesn't matter what political party they are, what political party you support. There are many community groups like the D.C. Health Coalition, um, which you can join, and and they're advocating for a publicly funded, publicly delivered system that's equitable, that'll treat all people regardless of who they are and what they can afford. Um, And then I I would probably put it, you know, uh, sort of, I would suggest that we also vote vote with our wallets, like really have have some kind of skepticism around any private services you might, might start seeing offered. Because it is happening, and I think we really have to push back against these kind of corporate, for-profit healthcare models. Um, So if we, TELUS is a good example. They had something like this in BC. The BC uh, Medical Services Commission is uh, is investigating them for charging people up to four thousand dollars a year to get access to a family doctor, and you know they're billing it as some kind of luxury service. But we really have to be careful and, and cognizant when we see things, and and just push against them as well. So that's what I'd recommend. Dr. Ahmed, I want to thank you so much for your time and taking the time to speak to us. You take care. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much.